Welcome to Explore the OT Field podcast. I am your host, Nicole Smith. Today we're going to explore the OT field by learning about the fieldwork setting up subacute rehab from Maya, who is currently in her MSOT program at Toro University on Long Island. Maya is from Long Island, New York, so she didn't have to relocate for school or any of her three fieldwork level two placements. Her first placement was at a camp for individuals with disabilities. Her second fieldwork, she was placed at a VA hospital in subacute rehab, which we will learn about today. And she will be starting her last level two fieldwork at a hospital for inpatient rehab. In her free time, she loves spending time with family and friends, creating new designs for her Etsy shop and learning new ways to improve her health and wellness. Welcome to the podcast, Maya. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to learn about your fieldwork. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about it and hopefully give some good advice for some people. <laughs> yeah, but before we start, as an Etsy shop owner myself, can you please tell us a little bit about your Etsy shop? Sure. So I, it's funny enough, I actually started this Etsy shop um, during my level, my last level two fieldwork, the one that I'll talk about today at the VA hospital and the subacute mm -hmm. rehab. Um, so basically, I just learned about print on demand um, on TikTok, really. And mm -hmm. um, I thought that seemed interesting. And I'm really, I love learning new skills and hobbies. So I just picked it up. And basically, I make um, all types of, you know, uh, designs. I make sweatshirts, t-shirts, mugs, um, phone cases and stuff like that. And a lot of it is focused on occupational therapy, but I also make other cute, trendy designs as well. And uh, if people would like to see these designs, especially the occupational therapy designs, what's the name of your Etsy shop? Sure. So my Etsy, it's all love and it's A-L-L-L-U-V by Maya, M-A-Y-A. Um, and you could also follow me on Instagram at the same name, all love by Maya, spelled the same way. And I periodically post my designs on there too. Great. Thank you for sharing. Now let's start. First question is what brought you to occupational therapy? So I kind of um, was introduced to occupational therapy when I was um, at my undergrad um, college where my mom, she ended up getting a hip replacement and she was in rehab for that. So mm -hmm. that's when I learned what an occupational therapist was. They helped her with, you know, bed mobility and they gave her the whole hip kit and everything, which I didn't know mm -hmm. about at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but my mom, um, when I went to go see her in the rehab, she was telling me, oh, I could so see you doing this. This is a great field for you to get into. <laughs> so that's kind of what introduced me to OT and piqued my interest to learn more about it. Oh, wow. That, that's another good thing about getting a hip replaced, is finding know, a right? <laughs> future occupation for your daughter. <laughs> so what was your field of interest when you started OT school? So I, funny enough, because it's now the opposite, but I, I was interested in pediatrics the most or school-based occupational therapy. Oh, okay. um, before I got into OT school, um, I used to work at a daycare and I was a toddler mm -hmm. room school teacher. So I, mm -hmm. I love kids. Um, mm -hmm. But I also, once I got to do my shadowing, then I realized that I was also interested in geriatrics. Oh, okay. 
being interested in geriatrics, what were your thoughts when you were placed at a subacute rehab? So it was, we get a choice at our school of, we have to like choose the options of placements that are presented to us um, and I guess score them at like one through six. So mm -hmm. this is actually my second or third choice. So I was really excited um, about going mm -hmm. to the VA because I never, I don't really have veterans in my family, but I'd have mm -hmm. immense respect for veterans and mm -hmm. being placed in a, in a setting where it's a lot of older people I know that I like that experience as well. So I was really excited to get started there. And it's, you know, that's some meaningful work to me. I actually, as I mentioned in the introduction episode of the podcast, I'm, uh, I work as a recreational therapist. And when I did my field work or internship, as they call it, uh, I actually did that at a VA as well. Oh, I really wow. enjoy working with veterans as well. That's awesome. Yeah, but so for people that don't have experience with a VA hospital or the subacute rehab setting, can you explain the placement setting in more detail? Sure. So the VA is a very unique hospital setting from other hospital settings because um, the veterans get a certain the benefits that the veterans get um, allow for certain equipment that we probably will never see in other hospital settings um, mm -hmm. because of the benefits that these veterans get as they should. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing that's very unique. So anytime, you know, as we're evaluating a veteran or um, as we're treating a veteran and we realize that they need a certain type of equipment, um, maybe like a specialized uh, wheelchair, um, we can go right at, at least at our VA here, um, we go right down the hall and we can get that equipment for them right away or mm -hmm. order it, whatever we need to do. And that's, you know, available to them. Mm -hmm. um, it's also unique because the VA, um, so subacute, it's more of like a considered like long-term care. Mm -hmm. um, basically, they're supposed to, at our VA, they're supposed to stay for only about six weeks, I think, um, and that mm -hmm. before we discharge them to the next setting. But they do not kick people out because we also have a lot of homelessness um, issues, addiction issues that are present in the, the veterans. So it's a more complex situation. It's not like we just kick people out or force them to go to the next setting. Would you say there were there any primary conditions you saw or you saw about everything? So I saw a lot of um, diabetes, type 2 diabetes mellitus. Mm -hmm. coronary artery disease, a lot of lymphedema, mm -hmm. um, COPD, and most of the patients, they were experiencing like generalized weakness. Mm -hmm. So with all those different conditions, uh, how did you prepare yourself before starting your field work? Yeah, so that's something I would definitely do better um, the, sec mm -hmm. the next time around or this mm -hmm. coming field work. But mm -hmm. um, part of the requirements for the VA, I had to do a four-hour online training course that had to do with like kind of like a sensitivity training because um, mm -hmm. we're dealing with a sensitive population. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did gather articles, but articles that didn't really end up helping me too much, but mm -hmm. I did try. Um, I, ha I had an in-person interview with the director there. Um, I, I tried to ask, I thought I asked some good questions, but now I have a better understanding of good questions to mm -hmm. ask the second time around. If you could redo the interview, what kind of questions would have you asked? So I would definitely ask, um, what was I thinking? Probably which, um, which primary conditions are more, are 
most prevalent there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would ask what types of activities uh, are the OTs there currently doing just so I can get an idea and then maybe mm-hmm. bring some more unique activities to the table once mm-hmm. I get there. Um, I would ask which assessments I should brush up on mm-hmm. or which assessments I should look up more because they also always have ideas of, you know, for, I don't know if you had to do an in-service at your field's work, but they had us doing in-service where we present a whole thing to the the whole rehab team, um, some type of contribution. Mm-hmm. Mine was about mm-hmm. um, adding more functional cognition uh, or functional cognitive assessments to okay. their treatments. Oh, okay. In the beginning of your field work, what did a typical day look like? So um, when I first started, we pretty much, so they had a lot of assignments um, at the VA for me to complete while I was there, Um, not even my school assignments, but I had to do a write-up report um, within my first, like, I think, week about Mm -hmm. all the equipment that they have, the treatment tools, Mm -hmm. and um, which ones I think I might use. Um, I was getting to know the patients. I was, you know, obviously I was just going up on the floor. So I started at seven in the morning, Mm -hmm. and we would go up around 8 a.m., and we would, um, meet the patients. I would just, I was just watching for the first like week, really just watching, not really hands-on with the patients, but Mm -hmm. introducing myself, um, getting to know the patients, Mm -hmm. uh, watching my, my uh, clinical instructor, how he documents, um, getting to know the staff, the -hmm. nurses on hand, the doctors, Mm -hmm. other rehab specialists. At what point did you start getting more hands-on? Probably, I would say, like on the second week is when I was starting to do some hands-on stuff with my clinical instructor, like right there. I uh, was doing, I actually, in my second week, I did a sliding board transfer um, with a patient who had a double um, claw hand deformity. Oh. Um, so that was, yeah, it was very interesting. So I had some very interesting cases there, but so that was my first time doing a real sliding board transfer with a patient, not, you know, in the clinic or in our school clinic mm-hmm. rather. Um, so I was a little nervous, but mm-hmm. um, once I did it the first time, then I felt a little more confident and I mm-hmm. knew, okay, yeah, I could do this stuff. <laughs> so around the second week is when I got more hands-on. And at what point did you start to feel more comfortable and get more of your own caseload? When would you say that was? So around week week three is when I was really taking on my own caseload. Um, I would go up on the floor every morning around eight with my supervisor, and he would just say, go ahead, (laughs) go at it. And I would just go from room to room. Um, It was a little different uh, because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, The procedures were a little different. Normally, we would they used to bring the patients down from their their um, their rooms to the recreation room. Mm-hmm. But now, um, I don't know what it's like there right now, but it was while I was there, bedside treatment. Oh, so okay. I would, you know, go to their rooms and start treating them around the week three is when I got my own patients. And I had about nine consistently for the 12 weeks I was there. Oh, okay. Now let's talk about what we learned in school. You already mentioned transfer we learn in school and that that's different. But in this practice setting, would you say you applied a specific frame of reference or model? Definitely. Um, of course, the rehabilitative uh, frame of reference, compensatory, mm-hmm. a lot of biomechanical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not like, you know, 
traditional assessments within this frame of reference, but I definitely, you know, did the MOHO or the COPUM where I would really try to talk to my patients to figure out what's important to them um, mm-hmm. for when they're being discharged to the next setting so that I could tailor my treatments that way. Okay. And what types of assessments did you perform? And was there one that you performed more frequently than others? Yeah. Um, so I unfortunately, I didn't get to do too many uh, evaluations on patients, um, but I did a lot of the Barthel um activities of daily daily living index. I did manual mm-hmm. muscle testing, range of motion. That's pretty much the what what we and observe of course observation. Yeah. But um that was pretty much the extent. Oh, okay. And what types of interventions did you do? And same here, was there one that you performed more frequently than others or one that you liked or enjoyed more than others? So this is another aspect that I now looking back I would do differently, but I kind of I stuck with most of the interventions that my clinical instructor was doing previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we, and we did a lot, but uh, we did a lot of TheraBand. So strengthening exercises with um, the gripper or um, done fine motor activities with the pegboard. Mm-hmm. Um, we did functional mobility. Uh, I, we did a lot ball catch and we did all of these um, seated and then graduate for most of the patients we were able to grade it up eventually mm-hmm. in the standing position to work on balance um, we did you know a lot of transferring mm-hmm. to and these were like functional transfers um, for patients who were unable to you know get to the toilet mm-hmm. so we would do bedside commode transfer from the bed mm-hmm. um, a lot of that stuff oh, okay kitchen mobility Yeah. Knowing what you know now, I know you already mentioned, I would have done differently. So knowing what you know now, (laughs) thinking back to when you were about to start your field work, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself, you are qualified Mm -hmm. to be here. Trust your knowledge and Mm -hmm. your instincts. Um, Have confidence in your ideas and your practice. Um, That's Mm -hmm. what I would tell myself. And that's what I am telling myself (laughs) now going into my next field work. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) And would you have prepared anything different? Yes, I would have totally um, reviewed some more functional assessments and unique activity ideas for a hospital mm-hmm. setting. Um, it was, you know, it's a little, ch- it's a challenging setting, I would say, because uh, I loved it, but it was challenging because the population is unique. Um, you get some very unique personalities, especially with, you know, the uh, patients with PTSD and psychological issues and addiction issues. I loved my patients I I had such a great time Mm -hmm. with them Um, but it was you know hard to find unique activities and then on top of it having the issues with COVID that really we had to bring we were in the recreation room and we had to bring up the whatever we could carry basically whatever equipment we could carry to the floor every Mm -hmm. morning on a roll like a wheelchair (laughs) so it was like we were kind of limited in the stuff that we could do unfortunately Mm -hmm. but you know we made the best of it and a lot of the fun was just chatting and sharing experiences and yeah. everything like that. What did you find most helpful to be more successful or more comfortable as a fieldwork student? So, um, you know, preparing and studying before uh, you get mm-hmm. there, uh, preparing as far as like, you know, looking up interventions you could do with certain diagno- like diagnosis specific, maybe interventions, I would suggest mm-hmm. um, asking the right questions to 
the um, whoever your supervisor is or whoever you have the contact with at your field work site before mm -hmm. you get there and not feeling shy to ask those questions because you, I, I also remind myself now, like I am the student and I'm supposed to learn. So you have to ask the questions to get the information. And, you know, um, I feel like I was able to um, cope with my stress really well and cut off, like once I left field work, like enjoy the rest mm -hmm. of my day, like doing something totally unrelated, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. That's definitely helpful. And what feedback did you find most helpful from your uh, CI? So uh, I didn't get a whole lot of feedback from my clinical instructor, but what he did um, help me with was my documentation, uh, being clear with the documentation mm -hmm. um, was really important to him. And, you know, he, it was, I had a good rapport with um, the patient. So he did he did let me know that mm -hmm. um, yeah that was pretty much it oh, okay what was most challenging and most rewarding doing your field work in the subacute rehab setting so I would say um, for me the most it was weird but the most challenging thing was not even the patients it was the dealing with the different personalities of the rehab specialists like my clinical instructor he was really he was a good um, OT was really great at what he did and he was really cared about the vets um, but he had a very awkward relationship with the um, the PT like his partner like co or counterpartner the PT and I would often be stuck in the middle of these weird situations where I had to ask the PT for a wheelchair and I don't and the, the OT was like no it was just a it was an uncomfortable situation yeah. to be in because I'm the student and I'm trying to be just professional here. So they're having these weird tensions, <laughs> but you know, I just, yeah, that was challenging, but I was able to navigate it by just always staying professional, not, you know, when anybody was talking badly about one or another, I just stayed totally neutral, you know, without giving any opinions about anybody. Um, but that was a little challenging, but I can say that that's not a unique uh, situation. I, I've heard from other students in my cohort, they had some situations like that too. Oh, okay. So I, I could, I could say that that probably mm -hmm. could happen <laughs> for others. So prepare yourself, everyone. It's possible that can happen to you. <laughs> yeah, but you could totally be professional and navigate it too. <laughs> and so what was most rewarding? Definitely, um, the veterans working with the veterans mm -hmm. was the most rewarding and seeing the progress um, being made and talking to families and being able to advocate um, for the, my patients when they needed it most was really rewarding for me. And if someone told you that they were placed in a similar setting for their field work, what would you tell them? I would say um, probably, you know, do as much prep work as you can mm -hmm. familiarize yourself with um, the assessment tools maybe asking the site um, which assessment tools they use ahead of time or planning some activities based on the, the typical diagnoses. Mm -hmm. um, and that would also require you asking the site which diagnoses they should maybe fo you should focus on mm -hmm. or if they have a suggestion about that. Mm -hmm. Last question. I know I already mentioned that you're about to go into your third field work, but uh, after, after you're done with field work, after school, where do you see yourself in a year or five years from now? So I am really getting interested in community-based OT and mental health okay. OT. Um, so I'm thinking of trying to venture into that okay. world a little bit, but 
I'm also like very much interested in working in a hospital setting mm-hmm. um, because I truly believe that you incorporate mental health into no matter what setting you're in or what um, you know area you're in when you're in the medical field mm-hmm. when you're dealing with patients mental health should always really be involved so yeah definitely that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm you know starting to study for the boards mm-hmm. so I'm not really looking at jobs yet but that's really it for me. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds exciting. And uh, good luck with your upcoming fieldwork. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed listening to you and learning from your experience. And I hope the listeners have as well. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you again for being on the podcast. And thank you for letting us explore the OT field with you today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Explore the OT Field Podcast. I hope you enjoyed learning about this fieldwork setting and that you are looking forward to the next episode and interview. If you want to follow along this journey of exploring the OT field and fieldwork, follow the podcast Instagram account at Explore the OT Field Podcast. If you want to share your experience on the podcast, please message me on Instagram or send an email to explorettheotfield at gmail.com. I'm so excited that you joined us today and hope you will tune in next time. If you, like myself, need extra reminders sometimes, follow the podcast on Spotify and you won't miss a learning opportunity. Until next time, keep exploring. <laughs>